Are we ready? Are we ready? Are you ready, ready, ready? Are you ready for the end of the world? Possibly. <laughs> Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! <clears throat> Getting better at that. Yeah. I've only been doing it 17 years. Wake up. <laughs> now I forgot. Okay, That'd be healthy. Good. <laughs> Just like, well, I can do that when I don't have my lungs all clogged up. Yeah. So this is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are local in virusocial talk. And every once in a while we do other things that are not in that category. But yeah. that pretty much covers everything. We are part of our environment. We are part of the social whatever it's called. Yeah. The social media network. <laughs> and every once in a while we actually talk about news, you know, right when it happens. Yeah. Late breaking news. Yeah, because <laughs> we have a really high budget, so we're able to like Yeah, we have a team of investigative reporters out there. Called the internet. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> Yeah, we we outsource all that. We've got there's a lot of wonderful environmental investigative reporters that we just go to their website and it's all there. <laughs> Makes it easier. All right, but th this isn't quite so easy. This is quite a difficult reality we're facing here. The end of the world as we know it. Now I feel fine. Beyond record hot, February was astronomical and strange. And Why those did are they some say astronomical. That's like out of this world. <laughs> out of this world. Yeah. Shouldn't it be like? I don't know how you how you say something about a fire, you know, yeah. like, like in, it should be inner because it's hotter inside the earth than it is out. <laughs> yeah. Astronomical is like out in space. That's cold. Yeah. I think they said astronomical because it's out of what they consider the norm, but this is the new normal. So earth got so hot last month that federal scientists struggled to find words describing temperatures as astronomical, staggering and strange. Strange is this strange word yeah. yeah now this is they usually try to be very clinical in their descriptions you know to be impartial observers but these results were so shocking that they got into some poetic language there they warned that the climate may have <laughs> said scientists were poetic <laughs> yeah they're getting there i mean it's sort of i don't know they they see these results and it blows their minds and they slip into poetry <laughs> they so warned saying, poets are mind-blowing <laughs> yeah poets are a little special i say that as a poet <laughs> They warned that the climate may have moved into a new and hotter neighborhood. This was not just another of the drumbeat of 10 straight broken monthly global heat records, triggered by a super El Nino and man-made global warming. February 2016 obliterated old marks by such a margin that it was the most above-normal month since meteorologists started keeping track in 1880. But if we keep saying, you know, this is the most above-normal, you know, and it keeps happening over and over again, do we listen anymore? <laughs> yeah. I actually like zoned out when you're saying, you know, this is like the hottest time on record. I was like, okay. But that was last <laughs> month was that. Yeah. Must be a day ending in Y. It's the hottest month on record. And I mean, do people actually listen when we give them catastrophic news, right? Hey, yeah. that's another word. Out of this world. Out of this world. So it was 1.21 degrees Celsius above average, beating the old record for February Set in 2015. <laughs> so 2015 was the last time we had the hottest month in February. And uh, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. And I mean, the thing is, is what really blows my mind is 
we're talking two degrees, you know, um, Fahrenheit above normal worldwide. Yeah. Which means you're hitting like 10 to 12 degrees above normal on the poles. Yeah. And that's where we have all that, you know, frozen stuff. Yeah. And so if it's 12 degrees above normal and that's above freezing in the winter <laughs> on our poles, yeah, we got a little problem. Yeah. Maybe you're, a little problem. Just you got little. issues. Yeah. And that's where some of those feedback loops set in because then it gets really hot at the poles and the ice melts and there's less light reflected back into space. So the, you know, heating accelerates. It's a, it's a feedback loop. But it's not like it's going to affect humans. I mean, only 80% of humans live right along the coasts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, yeah, not a big deal. As long as you live in a houseboat, you may not be affected. <laughs> I don't, I think houseboat wouldn't be big enough. <laughs> yeah. <Just> like, <laughs> if so. you live in a houseboat and you move away when the storm comes. <laughs> so the last three months have been the most above normal Months on record, said uh, NOAA climate scientist. And that's not just, you know, the what is it, North American Oceanic Atmospheric Administration? Yeah. yeah. Um, NASA, do I have to explain what that one is? <laughs> yeah. Uses different statistical techniques as well as the University of Alabama Huntsville team and the private remote sensing system team. And they all use different methods and different information that they collect and they all came to the same conclusion yeah we are getting hotter in here getting hot in here and it helps i wish we could beam the image over too because there's an image that goes along with this it's a dramatic difference it shows 2013 2014 2015 and then 2016 january and february are just way above that like you know 2015 january and february were a little bit you know they were record setting above average but now this blew away the old record Hey, we're just record-setting people. Yeah. That's what we do. We what? set records. <laughs> we figure out ways to be all extreme and, like, you know, extreme weather is our new thing. Yeah. You know? We're number one. It's like... Number, number one, one at disrupting the climate. <laughs> and screwing things up. Yeah. So, this does affect us. Native American tribe gets federal funds to flee rising seas. The sacred land in coastal Louisiana that a small community of Native Americans has called home for more than a century has been all but swallowed up by the rising sea, leaving residents with little dry land and a fear that they will lose their heritage. Now a $48 million federal grant will allow the band of Biloxi, Chittimachi, Choctaw, the only word I knew how to say, I was stumbling on. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah. the Choctaw Indians of Isle de Juan um, Charles to move away from their vanishing home. The funding for the relocation will make the tribe one of the first and so far the largest populations in the United States to be resettled because of climate change. I dispute that. I, I knew there was a big tribe in Alaska. Yeah. But I guess maybe they're talking about the continental United States because, you know, Alaska is not completely part of the U.S. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah. So, but the money from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, is part of a program designed to make communities more disaster resistant. For the Biloxi, Chittimachi, Choctaw Indians, that means moving their whole community north to higher ground when a suitable site is identified in the next several years. 
The slice of land that supported the Biloxi Chittimachi Choctaw Indians through trapping, fishing, and agriculture for 170 years is rapidly being swallowed by the Gulf of Mexico. Since the 1950s, the tribe has lost 98% of its land to rising sea levels, coastal erosion, and flooding. And the islands, it's about 50 miles south of New Orleans, once covered 15,000 acres. But the land has eroded to a teeny strip measuring a quarter mile wide by half a mile wide, according to the report by the Northern Arizona University. Yeah. So. That's pretty intense. You know, that's... People still, to this day, seem to think of global warming as this thing that's going to happen, like that it's something from the future. But really, for, for them, it's been it's something that... The future that, is now. Yeah. Well, that's like our promo and our show. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. It's you know? an, and the thing is, is as we know, it changes because we're kind of used to the world ending. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay, it's the hottest day on record again, you know. Yeah, the world's constantly ending and beginning anew. But this, it mentioned since the 1950s here, so, you know, while... But part of that is erosion. Yeah, part know. of it's erosion, but part of it is the rising seas as well. And so they have been aware of the the difficulties facing coastal people since the 1950s because it's been affecting them. We're really catching up to that knowledge. All right, so in other news, Peabody says it may need to file bankruptcy amid coal rot. Peabody Energy Corp., the longest, the largest U.S. coal miner. Probably the longest. <laughs> yeah, the longest mines. Uh, they said it may not be financially strong enough to remain in business in its current form and that the company may seek bankruptcy protection. This is pretty big news. I mean, they are the, as it says, you know, they're the largest U.S. coal miner. So this is an indicator of the whole coal industry. Peabody's ability to operate as a, quote, going concern, which means basically in business still doing stuff, is in doubt, the company said in a regulatory filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on Wednesday. And this does hit us locally because Peabody is based in St. Louis. Yeah. The St. Louis-based company, which has been ravished by the coal market's worst downturn in decades, is seeking ways to ease its debt burden as rivals include Alpha Natural Resources and Arch Coal filed for bankruptcy. So, I mean... You'd think other companies are filing for bankruptcy. They could do better now. You yeah. Know, there's like, you'd think they would snatch up the business of the other ones, and but no. But Peabody in recent months has struggled to close the sale of three coal mines in western U.S. to Bowie Research Partners and to renegotiate payment terms with its creditors. Quote, There can be no assurance that our plan to improve our operating performance and financial position will be successful, Peabody said in the filing, we may need to voluntarily seek protection under Chapter 11, end quote. So. Yeah. So It's ma- interesting. I mean, we ha- we're having oil companies in mass numbers. I remember reading an article that 180 oil companies out of the 500 in the world have declared bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at the, you know, the top coal company. And already, the, you know, the, the other top ones have already filed bankruptcy. Yeah. So it, so it may be time to transition away from fossil fuels. <laughs> uh, that's something for the workers to consider, too, as they're, the people up top are, you know, the workers are going to be the first to suffer from this, you know, because if Peabody decides it needs to restructure to make a lot of changes for the bankruptcy filings, then they're going to do everything they can to take away benefits and jobs of the people who are working. 
So maybe time to start looking into other industries to transition into. Other energy industries like solar and wind. Surging renewables keep global CO2 flat as economy grows. The International Energy Agency has confirmed that global carbon dioxide emissions have decoupled from economic growth. The E the IEA reports that for the second year in a row the world economy has grown while energy related CO2 emissions, the primary cause of climate change, remain flat thanks to energy efficiency and a big surge in renewables. I mean they used to be directly tied yeah. because you know energy drives everything. Yeah. Um even our vehicles. Even the vehicles. The decoupling is quote unprecedented and huge end quote according to the E the IEA chief I was going to say faith but it's <laughs> yeah I thought I was thinking it was faith too Fatih yeah. Birol there you go the IEA explains that the only th- only three previous times in the last four decades that emissions were flat or dropped the early 1980s 1992 and 2009 were actually associated with global economic weakness so now i guess they're saying the economy's strong yeah they're saying the economy is increasing at least for the people at the top <laughs> and yet energy is flat which you know we want energy to go down eventually if it can but <laughs> it's uh yeah so what happened the iea says it's Quote, data suggests that electricity generated by renewables played a critical role, having accounted for about 90% of new electricity generation in 2015, end quote. Yes, a whopping 9 out of 10 new power plants in 2015 were renewable, and 5 out of 10 were wind. Yeah. They also credit improvements in efficiency. Efficiency has played a, a key role in decoupling both U.S. electricity sales and overall energy demand from U.S. economic growth. So, now, the emission reductions by the two biggest emitters, the U.S. and China, played a major role. Our emissions fell by 2% and China's by 1.5%, as coal use dropped for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is impressive, the 9 out of 10 new... Uh, new electricity generation is being renewable. I, I mean, that's pretty amazing. It would be also good if we replace some of the current fossil fuel infrastructure with renewables, but that's going to take time. It's well, good that we're not building more more of them to b- put ourselves deeper and deeper into a rut. I don't know, though, if they consider natural gas as they're consi- that would be the other part. Yeah. You know, even though they call it clean natural gas, it's not a renewable. Yeah, it's so. not a renewable. So... All right, so we've got one other bit of solar news here. World's biggest floating solar farm powers up outside London. At least it's the biggest one for a little while. On a vast man-made lake on the outskirts of London, work is nearing completion on what will soon be Europe's largest floating solar power farm and will briefly be the world's largest. But few are likely to see the 23,000 solar panels on the Queen Elizabeth II Reservoir at Walton-on-Thames which is invisible to all but Heathrow passengers and a few flats in the neighboring estates. Quote, this will be the biggest floating solar farm in the world for a time. Others are under construction, said Angus Berry, energy manager for Thames Water, which owns the site. We're leading the way, but we hope that others will follow in the UK and abroad. 
five years in planning and due to be finished in early March, so it, it may be finished as we speak, uh, the six million pound project will generate enough electricity to power the utility's local water treatment plant for decades. The energy will help provide clean drinking water to a populace of close to 10 million people in Greater London and the southeast of England, which is a huge and often unrecognized drain on electricity. So it's not going to homes, but it's going to water processing, which takes a lot of energy. Well, I know when I lived in Cayman Islands, your water cost more than electricity because there it took electricity to make the water. They took you know, salt water and they desalinated it oh, yeah. using massive amounts of electricity. So, yeah, your electricity costs – your electric bill was usually higher than – I mean, your water bill was usually higher than your electric bill. Yeah. So so why do you put solar panels on water? Well, the answer is that the water is there and might as well be used for that purpose. Now, from a technical point, the cooler the surface is around it, the cooler the panels are, the more efficient they operate. Yeah. Um. Now, they do have the problem with the salt, if it's salt water, you know. So, you don't just throw them out floating on ocean very good, very easily, because yeah. the salt will corrode it. But um, floating panels covering only about 6% of the reservoir will actually have no impact on the ecosystem. Though water birds, including moorhens and gulls, live on the margins, and a thin scum of litter is visible on the shore... <laughs> The reservoir is not intended as a home for wildlife, and any fish living there are accidental visitors. I guess because, I mean, they built it for drinking water, right? Yeah. 18 meters deep, it provides water for Londoners in a constant churning stream. Although most of the population growth in London tends to be towards the east, most of the water still comes from reservoirs to the west of the city. Yeah. People don't realize all the intricacies of, you know, what's happening. Yeah, they I mean, just sit back at home, they turn on their tap, they turn on their light. They don't I mean, even that's know. Our, our reservoir is, is Cedar Lake here for yeah. you know, the city, which is why there's kind of this outcry against this chicken farm um, or, you know, chicken, what is it? Concentrated chicken factory farm yeah. thing because it's right next. It's within a quarter mile of the lake, which provides our drinking water. So, you know, people are like, wait a second. <laughs> so, you know. People are checking into that. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. And I wonder, too, you know, it's, we've got a smaller reservoir than I'm sure the one that serves London, <laughs> but maybe we could put a little floating solar installation on our reservoir, too. That's possible. Yeah. But uh, part of it is how close is it to power lines? Yeah. Because that's always the issue. Um, I mean, I think here we tend to have plenty of open s- space. I don't think they have that as an option in London. Yeah. So they're looking for any open space. And then here we have a lot of buildings that are flat roofed. And so you can put solar on those pretty easy. Yeah. We've got a lot more options for that here. We were speaking about chickens and tomorrow's poultry day. Poultry day. (laughs) It's like not pulling a tree. It's poultry. Today is Supreme Sacrifice Day. I wonder what that means. It's also National Agriculture Day. Got to remember where your food comes from. Farmers grow that food. Sunday is International Earth Day. It's also Extraterrestrial Abductions <laughs> Day. <laughs> so they they take you take samples of Earth on Earth International Earth Day. <laughs> it's just like, oh man. 
Um, Ooh, credit card reduction day is coming up. That's right before. So you get re- be real sp- responsible that day, and the next day is National Goof Off Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, and Near Miss Day is coming up. Wasn't that the day when the the meteor near just barely missed planet Earth? I don't know. I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's get into some happenings. It's already March 18th. Wow. Time is flying. Today is the movie and pizza party at the Guy House Interface Center, which happens every third Friday of the month. This month's feature film is 99 Homes. The film... I, yeah, the, the film looks really interesting. It's about the foreclosure crisis and... This family gets foreclosed on, and then somebody in the family goes to work for the foreclosing agency. <laughs> so they're kicking out other people who... It's this whole drama of the, the internal conflict. That, and, that'd be like... <laughs> that'd be... Oh, man. But it pays well, so they're providing for their family, but they're kicking out other families. So that, that, <laughs> that sounds like a drama. Yeah, it's a drama. It's a definite drama. So at 7 p.m. over at Guy House. Uh, we've got Spring Cleanup Day also coming up at Guy House on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. over at Guy House Interfaith Center. Celebrate the coming of spring with some spring cleaning. They will be cleaning the building and grounds in two shifts, the morning 9 a.m. to noon shift and the noon to 3 p.m. afternoon shift. There's all sorts of indoor and outdoor tasks, a little something for everybody. Well, it's good because it's spring, so yeah. spring cleaning. And it really feels like spring, too. Carbondale Community Farmers Market Saturdays nine until noon at the Carbondale Community High School, and I heard that you know it's almost time for them to start the Wednesday market back up. Yeah, they usually do that in April, and so the Wednesday market's downtown, which is kind of I'm I've been missing the market. It, it's like <laughs> Saturday mornings for me have become really busy. I've either taught a solar class or been out of town or. You know, wanted to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. It just, I have not made it to the market. It's its ruining my life. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then I cannot come, wait until Wednesday market starts again. Yeah, Wednesday markets will come back soon. And then you'll have double markets twice in one week. Also coming up, we have Here We Live, All Species Puppet Making. It's coming up on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Carbondale Main Street, 121 South Illinois Avenue. Construct amazing animal and insect puppets with Cade Brussel, volunteer artists, and puppeteers, the beloved puppetistas. Oh, these are the ones that they build for the Earth Day Parade. Yeah, they build them together at a th- series they're, of they're workshops. they're absolutely, like, huge. It's like some of them are, it takes, like, three people to carry them. Yeah. And so I imagine now would be a good time to start building those. <laughs> it's like... A, a month, month and a half away till Earth Day. Something. Yeah, and it's a it's a good. I've I've participated in it before. It's a fun process. Even if you don't have previous art experience, you can learn along the way. They're going to have a couple of these workshops. This one's on Saturday, and uh, for more information, you can go to hwl-puppet-workshop.eventbrite.com. You can also email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org if you'd like us to email you that link, and you can call six one eight. Four five seven eight eight seven seven extension twenty three. Saturdays through March twenty sixth, the Art Hives Carbondale will meet at the Carbondale Community Arts, which is at the new location at three hundred four West Walnut. Saturdays one to four p.m. 
Enjoy a pop-up art studio experience at Carbondale Community Arts at 304 every Saturday. All ages, free and open to the public, simple walking. What? It's just like you just, you don't, you don't have to register. You don't have to buy anything. You can just pop in and make art. Yep. <laughs> man. And you don't even have to. Man. Yeah. I want to go do this. This sounds like fun. That's really fun. All ages. All ages. All experience levels. So, and it's, it's a, I guess Carbonale is a place where art happens. It's, I like this because it creates this atmosphere where Carbonale is a place where everybody can create art. And art is celebrated. So for more information, you can call 618-457-5100, or you can show up and participate in the Art Hives Carbondale. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 23rd, the Community Forum on Poverty. This is Wednesday, 530 at the Carbondale Public Library. This is, so the uh, Sparrow Coalition has been collecting information about all the you know, the homeless issues in the area. And so part of this will be, you know, presenting that and talking about what we can do. Explore the needs of vulnerable children and adults in Jackson County. Look at the factors that perpetuate poverty and how this affects the entire community. View excerpts from the film Homeless Families in America, produced by a homeless advocate, and hear from two local social workers, Melinda is an elementary school social worker in Murfreesboro, and Shannon is a Carbondale Public Library's first SIU social work intern, now serving 60-plus adult clients. Yeah. Discussion will follow their presentations. This is organized by the Sparrow Coalition, Carbondale Public Library, and SIU's Imagining Geographies. So Carbondale Public Library on Wednesday at 530, the Community Forum on Poverty. Yeah, and I've been really impressed to hear about what's been going on with Shannon Butler's work over at the Carbondale Public Library because uh, it, was, it was one of the things that was a connection that was facilitated by the Sparrow Coalition. But she's there now. She's at the library, and people who are in need of services and not finding them, they come to her, and she helps connect them with the services they need. And It shows, it shows both the power of what can happen when you organize and get the right people in the right places, and it also shows the need in the community for doing more. So it's, uh, yeah. If you'd like to go find out more about that, it's Wednesday, 5.30 p.m., Carbondale Public Library. You have been listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. Can you believe that we've been doing this show 17 years and the station has been here for 20 years? Yes. I mean, the city actually just gave that award right up there that's sitting up there Mm -hmm. for the 2015 Business with Staying Power. We're not really a business. We're a nonprofit. But our customers are the people who listen. And some of them are slackers. They don't <laughs> help help out to keep the business going. But Yeah. If you want to help keep the business going, wdbx.org. You, you can be a friend. You can be family. You can be part of our community. I like that community because <laughs> this is community spirit. This is Ord Energy Mon, and, and this is we like you. Yes. Thanks for to listening. keep listening to us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just like. Stay tuned for Bang Bang Bang. Da 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 da.